When you vacation with Norwegian Cruise Line, every day is a new day. Get a taste for Barcelona, then savor incredible dining back on board one day. Connect to ancient history in Athens, and then disconnect in our spa another day. Wherever the sea breeze takes you, come aboard and experience a different tomorrow with Norwegian. Visit ncl.com, call your travel advisor, or 1-888-NCL-CRUISE. Norwegian Cruise Line, ships registry the Bahamas and USA. The rest of my life gonna start today. This week, Case Closed was supported by another podcast called But That's Another Story. It's a show about how the books we love can change us. Best-selling author Will Schwalbe talks to influential guests about the books that have meant the most to them in their lives. Hear Melinda Gates talk about the book that inspired her to go after her passion. And hear Jodie Foster talk about the book that taught her the value of finding your community. It's a beautiful show full of moving stories. Find, but that's another story wherever you listen. Welcome to Case Closed. My name is Charlie Spicer, your true crime guide. We left off last time with a gun and a rental van. These two key pieces of evidence can both be traced directly to Hemi Newman. Though a motive is not required for a conviction, A solid motive would ensure a foolproof conviction. And so I want to return to Hemi and Andrea. The two traveled together frequently for work, trips that seemed innocent enough. But with the records from GE Energy and Hemi's credit card bills, things aren't adding up. Tracing Hemi's travels for GE proved easy. Everything was meticulously documented in GE's travel files, from dates and locations to the names of restaurants, hotels, and items purchased. In the seven months before Rusty's murder, his companion was usually Andrea. Going through her expense records as well, investigators found the trips that she had spoken of in her police interviews. Her May 24, 2010 excursion to Florida shortly after she was hired was there. So was her July 13th to 14th trip to Minden, Nevada, where she said Hemi revealed he had feelings for her, the fleeting moment she said the two had quickly put behind them. Investigators also found the June 21st overnight trip to Norfolk, Virginia that Andrea and Hemi took. The receipts showed they dined at the Sirena Cucina Italian restaurant downtown, with Hemi's expense form showing a bill of $154.34, including a $50 bottle of wine. They also found the July 18th trip that Andrea took to Longmont, Colorado, north of Denver, where she stayed at the Hampton Inn. I want to highlight this Longmont trip. It's unusual because Hemi didn't go with Andrea, or so he says. Hemi didn't need to join Andrea on this trip as her boss, but his personal credit card records indicate he did join Andrea as something else. Telling his wife he was meeting with an HR representative, Hemi Newman went to Colorado to meet up with Andrea. Andrea got a room with two queen beds, but contrary to what she told police, she would not be alone in Longmont. Three days later, on Wednesday, July 21, 2010, Hemi took Frontier Airlines Flight 305 from Atlanta to Denver, arriving at 8.20 p.m., charging the airfare on his own credit card and not the Corporate American Express, records showed. That morning, Andrea asked a clerk named Lindsay Clayton to move her to a room with a single bed. Andrea also said the room would have two guests instead of one. And she requested a late checkout for Thursday, her last day at the hotel. 
According to flight records, Andrea and Hemi returned to Atlanta on July 23rd on the same Frontier Airlines flight, leaving at 11.48 p.m. from Denver. Andrea had arranged for a seat next to his, with GE covering Andrea's expenses and Hemi paying his own way. What's left out of the story from the credit card records are the statements from the hotel staff. Hemi made a strong impression on them. Hotel clerk Ruth Ingram first met Hemi over the phone. She said he wanted her to purchase flowers, chocolate, and a nice card to be put in Andrea's room. He referred to Andrea and himself as newlyweds. He wanted Ingram to purchase the items with her own money, which she refused to do. Instead, she took down a note for Andrea from Hemi. Ingram made her experience known to the hotel owner at a company picnic the next day, and the owner corroborated her story. Hemi called again while night clerk Brady Blackburn was on his shift. Hemi insisted it would be a great travesty if his wife didn't have the flowers. Blackburn, a veteran at the hotel, suggested the man call a florist and have the flowers delivered. Hemi was unwilling to buy the flowers directly, and instead promised to reimburse Blackburn by personal check when he arrived. Blackburn refused. When Andrea checked in, Blackburn paraphrased the note Hemi left with Ruth Ingram, saying, Andrea, Hemi says he loves you. Later, Andrea would get flowers from Hemi. She would text him, not sure what else to say but thank you. Unbelievably thoughtful of you. Like Andrea, Hemi had not told police about going to Longmont, and when investigators later spoke with Hemi's wife, she recounted how he had claimed it was a business excursion, but ended up paying for it himself. Then, just two weeks later, on August 12th, Hemi met Rusty. This was the lunch meeting that both Hemi and Andrea had told police about, in which Hemi sought help getting a new job. If Hemi and Andrea were secretly having an affair, Hemi clearly hid it well. An email from Rusty, copying Andrea, showed that the men got along famously. Meeting Andrea's husband did nothing to dampen Hemi's interest in Andrea. Four days later, on August 16th, Hemi sent her a highly personal message. Under the subject line, Balance, he offered advice on juggling work and home responsibilities. Mentioning nothing about GE Energy, Hemi's message reflected an intimate knowledge of Andrea's apparent struggles. Andrea followed up by text messaging Hemi a picture of herself and her daughter Sophia. This prompted Hemi to write her, I just saw your text messages. I am so happy for you and Sophia. You can't imagine. Thank you for sharing with me. I feel like I was there, standing by the doorway, looking adoringly with a huge, proud smile on my face. It made my week. It was signed, Hemi, with a happy face. Andrea then sent him more pictures, an album of 98 photographs taken at Sophia's birthday party. A subpoena gave police access to the hundreds of texts and emails between Hemi and Andrea in the months leading up to the murder. These messages add another layer of insight into their relationship. On Thursday, August 26th, Andrea departed for her fifth business trip in four months. She would later say that she bid goodbye to Rusty, dropped off the children at school, and met Hemi, who drove them 135 miles to Greenville, South Carolina, where GE operates a sprawling plant. Hemi made the two-hour Greenville run frequently, though he usually treated this as a day trip. 
Travel records showed that Hemi and Andrea stopped for lunch at the Macaroni Grill in the Mall of Georgia in Buford, then went to a Publix supermarket to purchase a bottle of wine. Arriving in Greenville late in the afternoon, they checked into adjoining rooms, the records showed, before having dinner together at a tapas restaurant and wine bar. Unlike the Longmont trip, the hotel clerks had nothing to offer police. The email traffic between Andrea and Hemi was a different matter. Whatever happened in Greenville, it left them both reeling. I caused you so much pain when all I wanted was to give you so much, Hemi wrote on August 27, 2010, the day they returned. I know it doesn't help, but I am sorry. I shouldn't have come over. You are so beautiful and such a great person. I discovered the mature, responsible Mama Andrea. Don't respond. The emails didn't disclose the reason for his apology. Whatever it was, it triggered days of soul-searching for Andrea. I really don't know what to say at this point. I am angry. Your apology is heartfelt, but it does not make the ongoing pain go away that I now have to repent and live with for the rest of my life. Not sure what I was thinking. I'm not trying to be hurtful. I'm just trying to be honest. I'm not sure how to live with this. This is the last one from me, Hemi wrote back. I know it won't help, but please never forget how much I love you. I know, Andrea replied, but so do other people. I betrayed them all. I'm not sure how to deal with that for now, but my burden, not yours. Another day passed before Hemi, despite telling her he was done talking about the matter, sent her a late-night email. One last thought. Besides the birth of Tom and Lee, that was the most beautiful experience of my life. The next morning, at 7.46 a.m., Andrea wrote back, her tone sharp. I appreciate that, but please understand what I am feeling. I am having constant feelings of anger towards you, me, everything, she said. Yes, mixed with other feelings as well, but selfish feelings I am trying to suppress at every moment. Thursday night was one of the best I had in a long time. It was such a great evening as a whole, and now I feel sad I will never have that again. In his response, Hemi implored her to forget her anger and focus on something else. Marry me, he wrote. You're thinking I'm crazy, and you've made your intentions clear. But before you respond, spend a night thinking about it. It won't solve anything, but you know I will give you, Sophia, and Ian the world. Together, we can make it all work. Marry me. A week later, on September 1st, Andrea had lunch with her close friend Shayna Citron, it was their first lengthy discussion in some time, their busy lives with children, husbands, and jobs leaving increasingly little time for some of the things they used to do. Close friends for eight years, they had met at a book club, and over the years they went together to baby showers, playdates, birthday parties, and weekends at the Snyderman's Lake House. That previous May, Citron and her husband attended Andrea's dance recital, and afterward the two couples went out for dinner. Watching Andrea interact with Rusty, Citron detected a change. It was at that dinner that I saw for the first time that they were going through a rough time, Citron said. When they finally got together for the long lunch in September, she asked what was going on. She said something like, Rusty and I are having major problems, recalled Citron. It all stemmed around work, travel, picking up the kids, who was doing what. Then she told me that her boss told her that he was in love with her, said Citron, Momentarily stunned, Citron asked Andrea how she felt about her boss. 
She said that if maybe she had not been married, she'd be interested in him. She told me some things that she had never told me before, recalled Citron. She started talking about how everything in their married lives had always been about Rusty, whatever job he had, whatever problems were going on in his job. When lunch was over, a rattled Citron went to her parents' house, lay on the sofa staring at the ceiling fan, and told her mother, who also knew the Snydermans, that Andrea has checked out of her marriage. Andrea did indeed check out of her marriage. Rusty's wishes dictated Andrea's life. His choice to go to business school unintentionally forcing Andrea to pay his tuition. His choice to move to Atlanta, again forcing Andrea to make a move. His choice to start a business, forcing her to go back to work full-time. Rusty's choices started the problems they had before his death. Problems that left Andrea open to the advances of others. Hemi's problems, on the other hand, came back to money. Money, that is, and Andrea. After the break, we hear about the people Hemi has been talking to about Andrea, people who have a different view of Hemi's extramarital relations. Case Closed is supported by Best Fiends, the five-star rated mobile puzzle game. Discover the world of Best Fiends and its cute, courageous inhabitants in this fiendishly fun, free-to-download puzzle adventure. Best Fiends is a totally unique puzzle experience. Solve thousands of fun puzzles and collect cute characters along the epic journey. Best Fiends is easy to learn, but difficult to master. So you actually have to concentrate and use your brain. And you can play anywhere, alone or with friends. You can even play offline when you're not connected, like on a plane or on the subway. It's casual and colorful, with thousands of hours of fun ahead of you. You won't want to miss this five-star rated mobile adventure. Start solving thousands of fun puzzles today. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's Best Fiends, like friends without the R. F-I-E-N-D-S. Best Fiends. Play today. This episode was supported by the new true crime book, Death on the River, by best-selling author Diane Fanning. On a windy afternoon in April 2015, an engaged couple, Angelica and Vincent, set out on a kayaking trip on the Hudson River. They set out at 4.15 p.m. By 7.15, Vincent was dead. His kayak had sunk and he drowned in the 48-degree water. At first, police believed bad weather was to blame for the accident. But Angelica's erratic behavior raised suspicions. So was it really an accident after all? Find out what happened to Vincent via 4 now. You can get a copy of Death on the River by Diane Fanning wherever books are sold. It's available in paperback, ebook, and digital audio. Again, that's Death on the River by Diane Fanning. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. We pick up with Hemi. Late in the summer of 2010, Hemi met with Melanie White, a realtor for Caldwell Banker. Melanie had known the Newman family since 2006 when she sold them their home in East Cobb. As with other clients, she kept in contact with them. 
About twice a year, she spoke with Hemi by phone, usually small talk, asking him if he knew of anybody who needed a realtor. In one such phone call, Hemi requested a meeting in person. He told her that he was in trouble financially and wanted to discuss a short sale of his house. He said he had moved out the night before and was staying in a Marriott hotel in Marietta near his office. What's the problem? asked White, who would recount the conversation for authorities. Hemi told her they'd always had problems, but now he just couldn't take it anymore. He told her that his wife never really had a job, and now the family needed her to work to keep up with the bills, including college tuition for his twins. White asked him if there was somebody else in his life. He told her that there was one person, a woman at work, who was married with two small children. When Hemi asked White for her advice, she told him, Go back to your wife. Go back to your kids. Leave the other person alone. She's married. They met again that same month, September. Telling her that he valued her opinion, Hemi said he and his wife had gone to marriage counseling. It was not going well, and talked about his continuing money troubles. Then he told her about an upcoming business trip to the United Kingdom, in which he'd be traveling with the woman he'd mentioned before. When White heard the dates, she was dismayed. Yom Kippur fell that year on the same Saturday that Hemi was to board a plane for Scotland. She felt rather than going to Europe with a potential lover, Hemi should be spending the Day of Atonement in temple, fasting, and repenting for the sins of the previous year. If Hemi had any pangs of religious guilt, he didn't show it. He told her he was excited about the trip. Andrea, too, was looking forward to it. This was to be her biggest work trip yet, and she made no secret of her own excitement. She recruited Rusty to help her with the itinerary. Both meticulous planners, they created a spreadsheet and entered the places Andrea wanted to see. Andrea also went over the itinerary with Hemi. When Hemi suggested they go to a dance club, Andrea said that sounded like a fantastic idea, but worried about fitting in. Departing September 18th, they took the same flights and stayed in the same hotels, first in Scotland and then in London, meeting with GE employees at the company's operations there. Something then happened overseas, according to a cryptic email from Andrea to Hemi, after they returned on September 25th. Honest is good, and maybe I'm not being honest enough. Desire versus reality, as you know, is a world I'm trying to ignore because I have to. So sorry, not fair to you, I know, she wrote. Hemi forwarded this and other emails to Melanie White, who saved them and later provided them to police. In one early morning message on September 28th, he recounted for White that the UK trip ended with a goodbye scene at the airport, in which Andrea gave him a kiss. Hemi told White, I don't want to lose her. White was mortified. White told him that Andrea sounded remorseful and confused, and that her emotions are jumping between wanting to be with him and the getting angry at herself for thinking that way and pushing him away. It is a seesaw of emotions and will continue to be that way, warned White. While in Houston, Hemi met with a longtime colleague, Orna Hannison. A native of England, Hannison had worked with Hemi in Atlanta and became what she'd later call a fairly good friend over the years. She also would become friendly with Hemi's wife, Riella, who in late summer or early fall of 2010, as their marriage was crumbling, asked Hannison to try to talk some sense into Hemi and persuade him to take counseling more seriously. After going over his personal issues with Melanie White and Orna Hannison, Hemi made a major life decision. 
On Sunday, October 3rd, while still in Houston, he sent an email to his wife, children, and 15 relatives and friends, including White. Dear Relly, Lee, Tom, Addie, family, friends, he began, I am writing this to everyone so as to prevent any confusion or misunderstanding. I know this hurts. I am sorry to everyone. I do love all of you very much. He then addressed each person individually, starting with his wife. Relly, he wrote, This morning, I got up to yet another discussion about our future. Do you deserve to have an honest discussion? Yes. But the truth is that I needed time to sort out my feelings, to understand, after all we went through, how I can make it happen. He had come to the conclusion that while he tried to be more open about his feelings with her in the last month, and had tried to be more affectionate, it still wasn't enough for her, or him. Although he still considered her a beautiful, wonderful person, and despite their 22 mostly wonderful years together with three children, this relationship is destructive. The fault, he said, lay with him. Writing in staccato form with his thoughts separated by ellipses, he said, I'm fucked up. Probably. Do I need help? Probably. Another trip to the therapist, he believed, would do no good. The children will be affected, he knows, but he had to end it. You have been a wonderful wife. No longer for me, unfortunately, not anymore. The next day, October 4th, Hemi returned to Atlanta and moved out. The public airing of their private troubles in the email left Ariella embarrassed, stunned, and, she'd soon find, in a financial bind. This was in stark contrast with Hemi, who seemed relieved. About two weeks later, he had after-work drinks with an old friend at the Crown and Prince, a pub around the corner from GE Energy. James Vano, a 14-year GE employee, used to supervise Hemi. Vano held Hemi in high esteem for his logical thinking and organization. They occasionally socialized, a couple of times after work and at office holiday parties. Vano would later estimate they went to the pub on October 17th. About to leave his position at GE, Vano told Hemi that he might be interested in the job, but Hemi had other matters on his mind. Usually reticent to talk about his personal life, Hemi now shared that he was going through a divorce, had moved out of the house, and was struggling to put two of his kids through Georgia Tech. Somber as he ticked off his problems, Hemi perked up when he mentioned he had met a woman and that they were together, Vano later said. Hemi said the woman was married with children, but considering leaving her husband. Hemi shared that he was in love with her and that they had amazing sex, like magic in his words. She made him feel young again, like he was back in high school. The conversation left Vano uneasy. Though friends for a long time, Hemi had never confided in him like this. I want to point out a contrast here, one I think Hemi's friend and real estate agent Melanie summarized well. This is a seesaw of emotions. Was Andrea really looking for something more with Hemi? Her messages jump from intensely emotional to strongly oppositional in the same breath. Was Hemi misinterpreting her feelings? We'll never know exactly what happened on all those trips, but we know that in their residual messages, something very much like love underlines their conversations. But are these deeply emotional moments enough to justify murder? Is being in love an excuse to kill? Next time, we'll hear from a witness, 
This witness sees their relationship in full force. Will her testimony give us more insight into Hemi and Andrea? Tune in when we return to Case Closed. Case Closed is a production of Macmillan Podcasts. This season is based on the book Crazy for You by Michael Fleeman. Get the book or the audiobook using the link in our show notes. The show is produced by Becky Celestina with help from Katie Ferguson, Sarah Grill, and Alyssa Martino. We also want to thank Michael Fleeman. Can't wait to hear what really happened to Rusty Snyderman? Hear all of this season right now on Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash caseclosed and use code CLOSED to start your free trial. I'm Charlie Spicer. Thanks so much for listening. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.